Welcome to Fire Headlines, where we discuss the hottest fire news to hit within the last two weeks. I'm your host, Inanna Hankey, and I am joined by the panel, Chief Bob Horton, Chief Jeff Buchanan, and we have two special guests today. Our first guest is organizational psychologist, owner, and principal consultant for FR Strategies, Dr. Andrew Halter. If you've tuned into previous episodes of Fire Headlines, you may have heard Andrew before, and we're very glad to have him back. And we are also pleased to welcome retired Deputy Fire Marshal Robert Brooks. If you haven't heard of him already, Bob has been collecting fire service patches for nearly 45 years. He first displayed his collection of 8,158 patches in 2011 at the Lynn County Fair and Expo and broke the world record that was previously held by an individual in Spain. On August 4th of 23, he will be at Lynn County Fair and Expo to display his collection of over 14,000 patches and break the world record again. Bob, tell us a bit more about your collection and what led you to start gathering patches. You know, I was a firefighter or in the fire department for, for 35 years and, and retired here some 11, 12 years ago. But every every department, or at least almost every department, has a shoulder patch, which identifies their, their department, number one, and quite often even their community with the design that they put on the patch. And, and that was something that attracted me uh, a long, long time ago in the neighborhood of 45 years ago. I served in the uh, in the Air Force Fire Department for, for uh, about four or five years. Really didn't have a lot of interest there. As soon as I got out and started in the civilian world for firefighting and whatnot, really liked the one that uh, with the department I started with in Klamath Falls and out at Kingsley. And so that became number one. One became two and two just continued to grow. And some have said it's an obsession. And uh, I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, that probably is to some degree. Uh, even today for this podcast, I was on the phone and I've got five more departments that I contacted today from Ohio through Arizona and whatnot that are going to be sending me patches as well. So it's it's a lot of fun. But uh, the idea that the patches actually represent a community or a department as well as the city, that fascinated me. And they do change over time. You know, typically a new fire chief might want a new design, kind of a start of a new era with they're taking on the administrative side of the fire department. And for a collector, that's fantastic because they like to collect all those. But for me, it wasn't so important as having every patch from every organization. What my goal was somewhat early on in my collection was simply to actually have a patch from every department in the United States, not all the patches. Now, I retired from the Albany Fire Department and probably here in Oregon, they've had over their 100 plus years in existence, I'm going to say five different patches, maybe four, but I only want one. And I want the one typically that I that I feel like represents the community the most. And, and I can tell you from a collector side of things that way back when, if you go back 10, 20, probably even more than that, but if you go back into the, to the early 30s, 40s, and 50s, patches were pretty blocked. It might just be a Maltese cross with the name of the department on it. And so we have definitely progressed as we've gotten further into the years. But for me, it's it's about finding a patch that represents that community and, and that department as well. And so it started with one and uh, now it's over, over 14,000. But for me, it's about representing the entire fire service in the United States. 
States, I actually started with collecting all the foreign patches as well. I mean, when I first started, it was like, let me have them all. Problem, as you probably would imagine, is I couldn't read them. Had no idea what they said, whether they were done in German. I couldn't I couldn't read them. And so that became real frustrating to me because it was difficult to tell somebody where it was from. So that quickly went aside after probably about three years of collecting, got rid of those, traded them off, and started just simply collecting patches from the United States. Knowing that there's probably somewhere between 25,000 and 30,000 fire departments in the U.S., I've got a ways to go. And we understand that your goal is to place these patches eventually into the Oregon Fire Service Museum. We were curious, just from an administrative side, how do you count them? Do you record them in any way? How do you know there aren't any duplicates? What is your system? Great question. (laughs) I get asked that an awful lot. Believe me, it's probably the most common question. Yeah, I was asked by the Oregon Fire Service Museum if I would put my collection in the museum. I probably won't be putting 14,000 patches on a wall. As you can imagine, the wall would have to be pretty large. And uh, and because I'm not going to stop at 14,000 plus, hopefully by this time next year, I have 15,000 and it just continues to grow. Uh, a lot of it will be done on a computer. But to answer your question, uh, what I ended up doing to organize this was I have an Excel spreadsheet. For the longest time, I would put all my patches in there and I continue to do that and will continue to do that uh, because at least I know what I have for the state of Oregon, for the state of Texas, for the state of Florida. And I can go through there and you say, hey, Bob, do you have this patch from this department? I may not remember it, but I can flip into the Excel spreadsheet and quickly tell you, yes, what I can tell you is what patch design it is without literally going into my my filing system and taking a look at the patch. So what I've done is I actually have a website now. I've just started it a few months ago, and that'll become part of the museum to where people can walk in and literally through a computer system, they will be able to push whatever state they're from, and they could push California. All the departments in California will come up. I love that we have the option to organize them digitally and then also simultaneously make them available to folks who want to take a look at them. What a great idea. I want to shoot the next question over to Andrew. Since we're talking about patches, you know, this is the symbol of a department. We could say it's the symbol of a community. It sort of represents an organization just in in a bite-sized design. What kinds of symbolism do you think are important in the fire service or any type of organization? Yeah, that's a great question. I love how Bob said that he he keeps the one that he thinks represents the community the best. And uh, I, I wonder what that system looks like of measuring it, if it's an objective measures or if it's just uh, his impression on it. I think it is, it's really interesting too, something else he mentioned about how more elaborate the patches have become from the 50s and 60s. I know here uh, in my fire department in Wilmington, North Carolina, we have kept the same patch for over 50 years. And to some people, it's uh, boring and they want to see something new and invigorating and maybe more representative of the community. Uh, And then, of course, there's that group that's tied to keeping the traditionalist and simple patch that we have. So I think the symbolism is important, but I think the bigger part is who gets to be involved in creating it. And if you take a really uh, inclusive approach and make it a department-wide conversation, and even 
further out a community-wide conversation, I think that makes the patch actually more valuable then to the community and to the department. Like to Bob's point, a lot of times a new chief will come in and just try to change the patch. Probably the wrong way to go about it unless they are really including everybody in the organization in that in that move to do so. If I could, Andrew, I agree. And I, and I picked up on that too, Bob, the patch and how it represents the community. And my experience is there's tension in this cultural artifact of a patch between progressive, integrative, of community focused versus traditional artifacts represent so much to to people differently. And I also like to think that the logo, the emblem interface between the symbol of firefighters, whatever that is, and the community comes out ripely in the community. That isn't just about the fire department itself, but how it interfaces with the community. Question for Andrew is, and then I want to come back to Bob because I have a question about the Guinness book, but how, how do you see these artifacts affecting organizations, you know, maybe just broadly? Yeah, I think that they're important in general. And I think in the fire service, they're even more so important to us. They sort of represent the historical uh, aspect of the organization, the historical aspects of the fire service, our traditions. And we all know on this group here uh, how embedded uh, the American Fire Service and tradition are together. For the same reason our helmets look like they have for however many decades, uh, despite the efforts to maybe change the look of our helmets. Who knows how many decades more will keep them looking the way they have for the past 50 or 60 years. I think the, the symbol is important. And uh, those artifacts are important. And people could really become sort of attached to them and take a lot of pride in those things, pride in their organization, and can kind of identify with something as simple as a patch or an image or a logo uh, as as representing more than just the organization, but uh, almost a piece of themselves, uh, especially if they have a big role in that organization, or they've had a role in creating what that image is. It kind of goes a little bit deeper than just, you know, this is our company patch, and we're really we like the design a little bit more meaningful than that to a lot of folks. Yeah, no doubt about it, which is in part why I think Bob latched on to uh, collecting these kind of artifacts around that represent the fire service and his viewpoint, I'm sure is incredible at these various design. I have a bit of a logo envy. Anytime I was in some kind of group where a bunch of firefighters from different fire departments were in, were in the same proximity. Like I want to look at everybody's logo, how they've designed their patch. Cause it does tell so much of a story. What what I do get a kick that that you glossed over, like you started at one and now you're at fourteen thousand. Like that's you know, eh, it just it just happens. I started at one and ended at fifteen, and I it's like small little 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 stack over here. But what I'm curious is, like at some point, you you had you're onto something, and this is you know, you become a collector, as you said, like that the, there's an identity along with being a collector, and at some point you realize there's got to be a record to this? And is it in the Guinness Book of World? I, mean, I wouldn't even know how to approach understanding the Guinness Book of World Records. And was that part of the motivation at some point was there is a record, I'm somewhere in the threshold of beating it. And maybe that motivated you a little more. Would, would you kind of share that perspective? Bob, I would love to. It was at least 12 years ago. I can date it that far back. But I was sitting in here working on my patches. And, and uh, honestly, it's it's more than a hobby anymore, quite honestly. This is a preservation of fire service history. I mean, literally, we're creating history with these patches. And, and someday, 
We may not even wear a patch. Many departments are embroidering them in their uniforms and the patch part of it is gone. And so this is something that I'm excited to be a part of. But I got to tell you, I was sitting in in my in my den and my wife, I heard her call out. She uh, she said, are you still working on those patches? And I don't know why I said it. And, and what I'm telling you now is exactly what I tell everybody. I, I yelled back out, honey, those patches will make me rich and famous someday. I sat there after I said it, scratched my head, and I said, what a stupid thing to say, rich and famous. And I said, rich, why would I be rich? And then I said, the light came on. I mean, this is not a 60 watt, this is 120 watt. And I said, famous? Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, it popped in my head. It had never popped in my head ever. And so I quickly jumped on the internet, looked it up, and I said, what? Some guy in Spain, a firefighter in Spain, has held the record for 20 years with 5,000 patches? I'm already at 7,800. So it was the next day that I looked on the internet, realized that Guinness Book of World Records has a satellite station in New York City. I called New York City, and I said, I want to break the record. I already have more than enough. I'm going to prove it. How do I do it? It's not for the for the faint of heart. I can tell you that much. You got to jump through a ton of hoops with them. Uh, if you don't bring them in themselves, and that, that's an option, but it's a very expensive option to bring a representative Guinness here. The other option is do it yourself. And uh, and if you do, there's a lot of work to be done. My fortune was that as a as a deputy fire marshal with the Albany Fire Department is that we had a PIO or a public information officer who she, she was Johnny on the spot. I mean, I told her what I wanted to do and she said, I'll take care of it. And she literally covered everything. And so when the event came around, all I had to do almost was just practically show up and, and uh, say, yeah, I'm the guy. This time, not so much. This time I'm doing it all on my own, but I got a lot, a lot of support. Hey, Bob, I, lo I love what you've done and really appreciate all the all the work and in, in getting us to this point. I, I want to turn this conversation a little bit back to, to Andrew from a different perspective. And what I mean by that is this artifact, these pieces of our fire culture that instill pride are from an organizational psychologist perspective, Andrew, I, I, I want to hear if there is a downside, a barrier, a limitation that culture can present to an organization and artifacts, if there's if there are barriers and limitations. And if there are, how can organizations, leaders, and fire communities intersect at a point where they can meet that challenge and still take their organization into the future, putting their arms around culture? Can I tack on to that question, Jeff? Love it. It sounds a bit like at least so something that I had wanted to ask is if there's unhelpful symbolism in the fire service. Is that kind of where you're going when you say barrier? Like what kinds of pictures do we have in our minds about the fire service that might, you know, present a challenge for the way that an organization needs to evolve? Is that where you were going? Absolutely. The downside. Absolutely. Sure. So um, fairly big question. <laughs> and I think that... Uh, you know, culture is this really ambiguous term that we use all the time. You know, we're, we're constantly talking about organizational culture and employee engagement and these things. And something like culture is not necessarily a standalone measurable aspect of an organization. We can't just come in and take the pulse of the culture and say it's, you know, seven. So it's hard to, from our perspective as, as scientists in this field, to really measure something like that and say, 
uh, one way or another. But in regards to that symbolism, I think we do have to be, uh, if nothing else, very careful about how we approach it. And when there are opportunities to change it, that we're as inclusive as we can be. That should go within the fire department. It should stretch out to the community. Um, and it should also leave room for people who aren't there yet. We do always talk about inclusivity in the fire service, and it's tough because the fire service isn't very diverse generally. And so even if we bring all the fire service together, we're still pretty much a white male group discussing things uh, without a whole lot of other voices in the room. So it's important for us to try to find those those other voices elsewhere so that we can be as inclusive as possible when we're talking about these symbols, these artifacts, these traditions and things that we might be trying to change or move forward. Wonderful. We are heading toward wrap up. So I wanted to ask if there are any last questions for either of our guests. I got one. Bob, I got to hit you with it straight on. What's your favorite one? And don't let the fact that Southern Nevada with the cool cards and the fire, all that stuff going on, don't you? Don't let me don't let me push you in a direction. But what's the coolest one you've seen in all your endeavors? Wow, you guys should give me another hour here. There's a lot of neat patches. I have some that were made on a a couple of them that were made on a Singer sewing machine. Literally, the fire chief's wife made six patches for the department. Each member got a patch, and they couldn't afford to go out and have them made. So she literally programmed her Singer sewing machine and made six. When I saw a picture of it, I talked to the chief and uh, and I said, any way to get one? And he says, probably not because these are made on a Singer sewing machine. And I said, I'll give you $200, chief, for that patch. He said, what? And I said, 200. If I don't, that patch and your department will never be represented in this collection. I said, it's worth $200 to me. He goes, well, let me ask my wife. So he did. And she made one for free. Now, with that story, that's just simply to share with you that had those I've had it where ladies auxiliary have hand stitched the word, you know, whatever department into it, hand stitched. I mean, and those are pretty blah, but they're hand stitched. They were quite primitive. To answer your question on which is the best one, reluctantly, because you can't reach out and grab me, I'm going to say it's Sherwood, Oregon. And I'll tell you why Sherwood, Oregon. Sherwood, Oregon Fire Department is no longer they part of Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue. And, uh, and that happened a long, long time ago. But that particular patch was the hardest patch for me to get my hands on to the point where I didn't know that I was ever going to get one. It has a picture of Robin Hood on the front of the patch from head to foot in his little booties. And he's pulling back the arrow uh, and uh, to shoot it. But it's a Sherwood Forest Robin Hood story. And they went ahead and put that on there. And I thought, how creative can you get? And I thought that that was fabulous. But there's a ton of patches with a ton of history. Hard to pick one. That one was Sherwood. It's probably one of my top favorites. I don't know that I have a single favorite. Uh, I'll tell you, all the patches, just to get one from another department is just beyond awesome. I had a friend of mine who was a platform speaker, and he did a ride-along with me in the fire department one day to see what I did, and he wrote a story about it. A ride-along with Bob Brooks, Deputy Fire Marshal for Albany Fire. And it was a great story. When we were done at the end of the day, he said, Bob, everything I've seen today tells me this. The fire department has a story to tell. He said, your job is to figure out how to tell the story. And I believe these patches do that. 
Bob, I got chills as you told that story about the Singer sewing machine and and the organization that uh, only six patches and there was an opportunity to preserve that organization in this. And and it just made this so real about the type of work you're doing. And I think it is just really incredible. And like I said before, commendable. Our our listeners at Fire Headlines are going to be very curious. Is my organization's patch in in your collection? How, How can folks... Uh, get in touch with you? Is that something you would like them to do? How how do we uh, get you from 14,000 to 25 to 30,000 and continue to build this, this uh, historic legacy? My email address, which I'm glad to give to anybody, and, uh, and that's firebucketbob at msn.com. And Andrew, where should people reach out if they want to get a hold of you or learn more about organizational psychology? Very active on the LinkedIn, and you can get a hold of me at fr-strategies.com. Well, thank you both so very much for joining us, um, Andrew and Bob. It was great to have you here to discuss this incredible collection that I feel very proud that it's in my home state of Oregon, for sure. What a great thing to have so close by. I can't wait to see the exhibit in the Fire Service Museum once it's live. So I encourage everyone who's listening as well to go and check it out once that is available. And of course, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you have a question for the panel, please reach out to us at fireheadlines at WF fca.com and let us know what's on your mind and we'll see you back here next week for more fire headlines. Fire headlines.